0: Welcome to the Amity Podcast. We're a husband and wife striving for Amity, sitting down and talking through ministry, life, theology, books, and family. I'm Lauren.
1: And I'm Jono.
0: Or Maureen, as I often get misunderstood. (laughs) Did that happen again today? No, I just noticed it as I even said my own name, how it's really hard to distinguish the L sound at the beginning. Mm. I find Kiwis misunderstand me all the time.
1: It's not a lot of Laurens here. Lots of Lauras, yeah. but uh, not, not many Laurens. So, um, we're going to do a book review uh, tonight, and uh, we're still kind of working out the season. Um, we're trying to do a season, and I'm trying to hijack the season. Uh, mm-hmm. So, we're do some book reviews. Uh, we're looking at talking about worship, right? Um, yeah. And the parts of it. And also, I'm kind of trying to do sort of one on the atonement. How does Jesus deal with sin? Um, And so, it's almost like we got two seasons in there with some book reviews. And anyway, so we're going to do a book review uh, today. And book reviews are not necessarily like all about the book. And to some degree, we're just having a bit of a chat about what we liked and didn't like and what they mean. And I would just like to say, if you do like well-written book reviews because there's like a lot of bad book reviews out there, especially in the Christian world. If you're a nerd like me and you like reading reviews, Um, I think a lot of people seem to be writing reviews about the books that they wish were written. And that's really frustrating to me Mm. and criticize, But Jordan Stefaniak over at London Lyceum, L-Y-C-E-U-M, London Lyceum, He does the best book reviews, like, Mm. amazing, amazing dude, young reform Baptist guy. Um, When I say young, he's, like, basically my age. Um, (laughs) But he just, his book reviews on, like, he does long-form book reviews, and they're just, they're brilliant. Mm. Like, it's just worth reading. He writes well and really, really handles what was actually said rather than what he wishes was said. Mm. I appreciate that. But we're mm. not going to do that, right?
0: No.
1: So what are you eating? Why don't we just review what we're eating, too? Let's get oh, this yeah. book. You
0: wanted to throw in the snack reviews to the book. Exactly.
1: <laughs> review all the things.
0: <laughs> um, I'm drinking a glass of red wine. And I am eating some organic dark chocolate bark with marshmallow, toasted coconut, and raspberries. Um, this is the kind of thing that I could totally make myself, but I paid uh, an exorbitant amount to not make it myself. <laughs>
1: you paid an exorbitant amount? It's not exorbitant. Just, I'm just saying I it's more just, than
0: what would cost to make it.
1: I was just like laughing at it because it's like chocolate back, which basically means someone poured some chocolate out on a table or some sort oh, of totally. tray. And sprinkled and stuff in it. it sprinkled stuff in it and then broke it up. And yep. that's like, Ooh. That's what I'm saying. And it's like, I a made premium it myself. It's stupid, but
0: it's organic. no, I actually should make some myself anyway it's I can eat it because it's not gluten and dairy and all that stuff,
1: but you're like ninety five percent dark chocolate, like that's kind of your thing,
0: yeah, I like really dark chocolate,
1: mm, so
0: I like milk chocolate, I just can't eat it right now, mm-hmm. Anyway, you're you're eating, eating the opposite of what I'm eating,
1: which is newish. I am a white chocolate guy, yeah. and um, which I is like weird. Car- so Whitakers in New Zealand has just released something called Blondie, mm. which is caramelized white chocolate, and so Whitakers is kind of like a little bit better than Cadbury's. Well, a and- lot better than Cadbury. Well, here's the thing: so ca- so Cadbury's have got caramel, right? And Whitaker's have come out with Glondie. It's a so caramelized white chocolate.
0: Elevated version of it. <laughs> that is your go to lately.
1: Well, I, not really. I mean, I not just. Not really. I was... Yes, well, really. I Well, I haven't bought one of these in like weeks now, so whatever, okay?
0: A week. It's not, not been weeks. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get into the, the good stuff.
1: Mm hmm. Oh, boy.
0: Oh, as you just (laughs) took a bite. (laughs) I'm eating chocolate, okay? I have to. You're going to need to rinse. (laughs) Uh, No one wants to hear that, okay? We're going to get complaints.
1: (laughs) We're doing The Wounded Healer Mm. by Henry Nowen. And I read it a few months ago. And... It is a terrifying book to read you. It's like a 100 pages long. I feel which like I'm is speaking. Not long. No, 100. That's it. 100, 110. Um, he's like a Catholic, Roman Catholic priest, born in 1930, ordained as a priest in 1957, which means he was never married, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Worked in like orphanages and all sorts of stuff like that. And. He wrote this book called Wounded Healer. And I got recommended it by a couple of people. One by a pastor and one by a, uh, I think, a seminary student. It was, it's great. It's hard to explain um, exactly what the book is about. (laughs) Let me tell you why Um, I think it's, it's a helpful book. Essentially... And he's got in the the introduction. Mm -hmm. He says, The minister is called to recognize the sufferings of his time in his own heart and make that recognition the starting point of his service. Whether he tries to enter into a dislocated world relate to a convulsive generation, or speak to a dying man, his service will not be perceived as authentic unless it comes from a heart wounded by the suffering about which he speaks.
0: Hmm.
1: And so, the wounded healer is essentially about the fact that we need to come to a place of being able to use our own wounds and our own grappling with suffering and hurt and trauma and... All that is wrong in the world and all that has happened to us and you use that in service of others. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the crux of it. So it's in four chapters, and he uses four chapters via four different doors, which he called the problems of ministry in a modern world. And I think he uses ministry quite broadly. So it's not just talking about pastors mm-hmm. as ministers, it's kind of just like ministering as in service to others. And so he talks about the first chapter is about the condition of a suffering world uh, and he calls it a dislocated world the second chapter is about a suffering generation the third is a suffering man and kind of he winds up talking about a hopeless man mm-hmm. and then the fourth one is the suffering the condition of a suffering minister so it's talking about oneself mm-hmm it's kind of like it goes from big down to small right. into yourself so so that's how how it it sort of it goes together and i I think the reason it's being recommended is I think in churches especially there's a lot of people wind up wanting to get into the ministry, but not, and they they like doctrine, they like preaching, they like the church, whatever it is. But they've not really dealt with their own hurts. hmm And that ends up causing a lot of problems. hmm And so a, a friend of mine has got this book as part of their eldership training course. Like, mm. and we can talk about that maybe mm. at the end. But they they kind of like instead of just starting with doctrine, like this is one of the first things that you have to read, mm. and so that 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 crucial aspect is coming to a place of being able to use your own hurts, your own wounds and 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 sort of deal with them in a healthy way so that you're able to help other people because the alternative is you're just Using ministry and people to plug your wounds, to plug your hurt, mm-hmm. or you're just angry all the time, or you're just reactionary all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Here's an example. I mean, a lot of people study, especially like sort of help health, and psychology and things of like that. Like, they go in and study those subjects. To help themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're like looking for answers, really, for themselves. And he's sort of saying, "You've really got You've really got to be able to come to a realistic, settled place of using your hurt to help you, mm-hmm. and knowing suffering yourself." And not being angry about it. So you need to be wounded yourself, therefore you're able to help others rather than do the wounding. Mm. Like, kind of that's the alternative.
0: Hmm. So is the assumption that most or everyone has wounds and hurts? Or is it the assumption is that you need to have had them in order to be a good minister or good at serving?
1: yeah and so so that i mean that's an interesting question because a lot of people will say like you have to have suffered in right. order to be a pastor or and go into ministry and yeah and yeah. i think there's a truth to that but i think there's a level of truth to that mm. but no one's making the assumption that you just need to be able to understand and know it like Mm -hmm. so yes by a personal experience but you should be seeing it all around you anyway
0: right so it's not even always directly personal hurt wound trauma whatever but it's also just recognizing the fact that you yourself do live in this fallen world and you come into contact with it and see it and hear about it Mm -hmm. and so even processing that
1: absolutely Mm -hmm. So the 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 first chapter is talking about nuclear man and it's like it's kind of like a little bit of an industrial revolution technology and just talking about how like hope doesn't really rise out of that. Um and how like you just can you're often just seeing life happening around you and it's just the world just grinds on, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of um, hope and purpose in that. You, you feel you're just feeling sort of dislocated by that, and life is just happening, and there's no concept of the transcendent and and whatnot. Um, I'm not gonna speak too much about that, but the. I think probably one of the most helpful things is like to, to explain this book is in chapter three, and it's like probably honestly the hardest bit to explain. Mm. But it's talking about like a young sim, like someone who's just come out of seminary, and they're working as a chaplain at a hospital, and they're talking to a farmer. Mm-hmm. So there's this kind of immediate disconnect between the two people, mm. and this farmer's going in for an operation, and they're just having a chat, and this young dude. The young chaplain says to the, you know, hey, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And the guy dies on the operating table.
0: Mm.
1: And the, the farmer's complaining, like, hey, there's no point. Like, he's mad at the staff because he says they're, they're trying to, like, amputate his, like, do an operation on him so he doesn't lose his leg. Mm-hmm. Etc., and he's just viewing himself as just this victim of this whole thing, and everything's happening against his will. Mm-hmm. And you've got this chaplain then showing up, young chaplain, and he's not quite sure how to help. And he just kind of assures him everything will be okay, mm-hmm. and it's not okay, the guy just dies. Mm-hmm. And Nguyen, no like, just breaks that down what happened. Mm -hmm. In that conversation. And he says, John, who's the seminarian chaplain, his task was to strengthen his patient's desire to recover and to reinforce what little strength he had left in the struggle for life. He recognized that this guy, who's about to go into the theater... There's no connection with the guy. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have years of friendship. Right. But he needs to somehow be able to help this person desire to live. Mm -hmm. And Nguyen says, like, you can help a person a lot very quickly entering in. And his task was to help this person struggle for life. And the best way he could have done that... Was by letting the patient know. That someone was waiting for him when he woke up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I will be there for you. Mm-hmm. I will you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And. This is kind of on the back of the. I think this. The the second chapter. Where. Which is talking a lot about compassion. And he said. He, he needed. That young man needed to be able to enter into the other guy's pain, be there for him, and mm-hmm. help give him kind of the world to live mm-hmm. by his presence. That was the most helpful thing he could have done for him. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. You, you need to, mm-hmm. and so sort of help stir up in that patient—not that he was just a victim laying there, but that someone actually cared. Mm-hmm. And that's an example. Mm-hmm
0: right and obviously an illustration has weaknesses like because i mean even if he had done that the man still could have died because <laughs> you know based on injuries and all of that kind of stuff but the point being that you can apply that then to other situations as well Totally, and that that telling someone it, it is so much about your presence and your caring even if you don't if you can't directly relate to what they're going through, mm-hmm. I will be here. I'm gonna stick with you through it. I'm gonna be here at the end is so much more important than just being like, It's gonna be okay.
1: Yeah. And it's not just giving someone some yeah. trite little theological answer. It's you know Yeah. Um and, and, and he does go into like I need to know about the resurrection and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. those kind of things is Dylan's kiss, oh, that's good. But yeah. Um, So he didn't need a trite, everything's going to be okay, because it wasn't going to be okay, but it was more, I'm going to be there in your pain. Mm. And I think that's a key theme, like it's Mm. just, it's it's, it's shutting down our superficiality that we have. Uh, Mm. Let me give you some quotes from this, chapter 3. A Christian leader is not a leader because he announces a new idea and tries to convince others of his worth, of its worth. Mm. He is the leader because he faces the world with eyes full of expectation, with the expertise to take away the veil that covers its hidden potential. Christian leadership is called ministry precisely to express that, in the service of others, new life can be brought about. Waiting, Christian leadership is about waiting for tomorrow, and it asks for personal concern, a deep faith in the value and meaning of life, and a strong hope which breaks through the boundaries of death. Um... He says, John was invited to enter into Mr. Harrison, that's the farmer's Mm -hmm. agony, and wait for him there. Mm. Every Christian is constantly invited to overcome his neighbor's fear by entering into it with him and to find in the fellowship of suffering the way to freedom. Mm. It's kind of like shared burdens, Mm -hmm. etc. So I think that's that's just useful. Mm. Um chapter 2 it speaks about compassion speaks of like this generation in the 70s I think when this was written just about being a fatherless generation and it's not just talking about that just a lack of fathers but mm-hmm. it's fatherless generation in the sense of there's there's no one to look up to um those who claim authority in a fatherless generation are suspect mm. doesn 't matter if you're older or more mature you you just and so he says, "How do I deal with this gent- with people that reject any concept of author- adult authority um, and feel disenfranchised and have they said the, the tyranny of the peers. So saying something like, Being considered an outcast or a dropout by adults does not worry the youth of today. Being excommunicated by the small circle of friends to which mm-hmm. they want to belong is an unbear- can be an mm-hmm. unbearable experience. Mm-hmm. Many young people may even become enslaved by the tyranny of their peers. Mm-hmm. So it's talking about like that kind mm-hmm. of environment, and we, we'd recognize that, right? Mm-hmm. And... He says, "We." He says, "The way we react to that kind of um, fatherless generation against authority, um, inward, ed, inwardness, mm-hmm. and then he says convulsiveness. Right. Um, the way we react to that mm-hmm. and cut through that is." By being compassionate. Mm. By being clear, mm-hmm. understanding, and by being compassionate. Um, that's like incredibly necessary uh, to be able to, to cut through. says The one that actually cares and the one that's actually able to be there is the one that's going to help people through that kind of environment. Don't let that person just be handed over and be killed by the culture, so to speak. Um, so we need to be able to be compassionate and then point towards actual purpose mm-hmm. in a better world. The compassionate man points to the possibility of forgiveness and helps others to free themselves from the chain of their, the chains of their restrictive shame, and it allows them to experience their own guilt and restores their hope for a future in which the lamb and the lion can sleep together. A fatherless generation looks for brothers who are able to take away their fear and anxiety, who can open the doors of their narrow-mindedness and show them that forgiveness is a possibility which dawns on the horizon of humanity. And then it says, "Compassion is born when we discover in the center of our own existence not only that God is God is man and, and man is man, but also that our neighbor is really our fellow man." So what he's saying is that we need to be able to come to a place where we help. We can help people out by saying we're viewing our people that are struggling as fellow image bearers. Mm-hmm. That God is God, therefore you are not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That we're in trouble together mm-hmm. and here's the future forward and you'll be compassionate you know you know in our troubles and then suddenly like rise above clickishness mm. so it's kind of saying all of that in about 25 pages mm. and like I'm probably have doing a horrible job explaining this but I think you put it all together is... He's saying that's we need authority, and that's going to actually bring authority, compassion, mm-hmm. hope, etc, mm-hmm. to be able to lead people out. He says because when people are they, they don't like any authority, they're inward focused, mm-hmm. he says they're going to they're basically going to just break up, lash out like an animal mm. pushed into a corner.
0: But then he's also then pushing back on, I guess, the tendency of whatever leadership or authority you'd be talking about to just domineer, yeah, and exactly, rule or just enforce, exactly. and is saying that's not going to work either.
1: Exactly, he says, compassionate service of others is the kind of authority that's actually going oh. to, and I, and I I think that's true, man. Like, I mean, it's just it's just painful to, I mean. I mean, it's just difficult to even, like, discuss. and But you know it when you see it, you mm-hmm. know? When there's, there's people that are, like, clear, clearly there for your good. I think that's great. Okay. So I, I think the last chapter is potentially um, one of the most helpful. Um, so he says this, He is called to be the wounded healer, the one who must look after his own wounds, but at the same time be prepared to heal the wounds of others. This is what are words? Words are things, words such as alienation, separation, isolation, loneliness. Um, he says, often those that minister are uh, especially lonely. Hmm. He says, therefore, I would like to voice loudly and clearly what might seem unpopular and maybe even disturbing. The Christian way of life does not take away our loneliness; it protects and cherishes it as a precious gift. Hmm. And, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why this book gets recommended. I mean, it's mm. just, and it's like it's difficult to say, but he's saying like you need to be able to use your loneliness as a, and your wounds hmm. as a gift to help others and let them name their own pain. Mm-hmm. He says because here's the, he says because here's the thing. When we are impatient, we want to give up our loneliness and try to overcome the separation and incompleteness we feel too soon. Mm. We easily relate to our human world with devastating expectations. We ignore what we already know with a deep-seated intuitive knowledge that no love or friendship, no intimate embrace or tender kiss, no community, commune or collective, no man or woman will ever be able to dissatisfy A desire to be released from our lonely condition. This truth is so disconcerting and painful that we are more prone to play games with our fantasies than to face the truth of our existence. That's heavy. He's saying like loneliness and pain and all these kind of things are a part of life. Mm -hmm. And he says we we just try and cover them up and we, Mm -hmm. we play games. We keep hoping that one day we will find the man who really understands our experiences, the woman who will bring peace to our restless life, the job where we can fulfill our potentials, the book which will explain everything, and the place where we can finally feel at home. Such false hope leads us to make exhausting demands and prepares us for bitterness and dangerous hostility when we start discovering that nobody and nothing can live up to our absolute state expectations. Many marriages are ruined because neither partner was able to fulfill the often hidden hope that the other would take his or her loneliness away. And many celibates live with the naive dream that the intimacy of marriage, their loneliness will be taken away. And so he starts saying like, when you're a minister, when you're, when you're in service, when you're pastoring and whatnot, he said, when you're serving others and you live with those false expectations, you're actually ruining your ability to help others. Hmm. And he says, so often then, ministers want to touch the center of people's lives. And, and I think that's like, that's an important point. Like, so, so often people go into ministry and they want to be elders, they want a church leadership role to fulfill their own voids and then step into that void and be that mm. person that takes it away for others. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this book's trying to say, like, that's not going to go well for you. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that makes this really, really helpful. It's just like, instead, you know ditch that mm-hmm. he says the minister is not a doctor whose primary task is to take away pain rather he deepens the pain to a level where it can be shared mm-hmm. perhaps then the wrong task of the the main task of the minister is to prevent people from suffering for the wrong reasons
0: mm-hmm.
1: so in that, it's saying, therefore, you can have actual community and understanding by understanding that you don't take away each other's loneliness hmm. you' just in your, your pain you're just able to express them hmm. live together and press on in hope hmm. and in that you are understood and known hmm. so it's like kind of a changing of what community actually is. Community arises, he says, where the sharing of pain takes place, not as a stifling form of self-complaint, but as a recognition of God's saving promises.
0: Where were these quotes last week?
1: Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, and, I, and I think that's like that's so good, you know.
0: Um, yeah, I think it's good. I mean, I'm just I'm thinking in the specific context of ministry. Mm -hmm. Because I... I mean, obviously, it's something that you hear when you're single. Marriage isn't going to take away your loneliness. And I think even as a married person, you can be reminded of that sometimes. But I often think the further you get in, the more... You, I mean, rightly depend on the other person, but there, there can just be, yeah, there there is a lonely, and I'm just thinking ministry-wise, there's a loneliness in ministry that can become really, really heavy.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And obviously, of course, it's, you want community and friendship and all of that, like we're made for that, but... To get to the point where if this doesn't get filled, then I'm out, Mm
1: -hmm. you know,
0: is probably not the best place to be. No. And Mm. again, to realize that it's one of those, this side of glory, Mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. Yeah. And... I don't, does he go in, because I just keep thinking, like, does he take this to, to Jesus? Does he take, because, totally. I don't, well, I just didn't know, like, chapter headings, because so I'm, like, the suffering servant is mm-hmm, Jesus. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it absolutely does, like, he's, you know, Jesus is the one that old man takes it away, and I think this whole thing is just, this book is, like, you know, like, I think a lot of Christian ministry deals with over eschatology. You know, I've kind of talked about that. Eschatology, study of the end times, yeah. over Things are closer to being sorted and fixed and all done yeah. than they actually are. If anything, he's, like, on the under-realized side <laughs> almost. Right. You know what I mean? So he, he fully admits, like, things are going to be great. We're going to be liberated. Right this will be over, but he's saying like, in the meantime, there's a lot of pain ahead for you. Mm. And so you need to be able to live with that. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And so like, it's kind of refreshing in that way, but that's what makes the book jarring. Like, right. it's cause it's kind of, it's just very clearly like, things are probably worse than you actually realize, mm. you know? And I think that's what makes, that's one of the things that makes the book helpful. Um, he says, Christian community is therefore a healing community not because wounds are cured and pains are alleviated, but because wounds and pains become openings or occasions for a new vision. Mutual confession can become a mutual deepening of hope, and sharing weaknesses becomes a reminder to one another all of the coming strength.
0: Mm. <clears throat> yeah, that's community
1: good. arises when the sharing of pain takes place not as a stifling form of self-complaint but as a recognition of God's saving promises we said that so mm. he's kind of saying he says being able to own your pains and things now and it's, he says, and he, he does say at the beginning of the chapter he's like it's not flippant it's not just like hey I'm a pastor I struggle too you know right. like, that doesn't help anyone do anything right It's more just like being able to very clearly be like, Hey, I'm here for you in this. Let's just own this together as we move forward. Mm. Shared pain is no longer paralyzing, but mobilizing Mm. when understood as a way to liberation. When we become aware that we do not have to escape our pains, but we can mobilize them into a common search for life, those very pains are transformed from expressions of despair into signs of hope. So, it's kind of saying like, if you're aware and you can own your pain and your struggles, Mm -hmm. they don't paralyze you as much as you move them forward.
0: Mm. So, really, I mean, it's a very... Like I would view that from our my theology because I know our theology would be different on that. Not our as in you and I, but his and mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the important, like the still the importance of living out our faith within the body. There's oh. a corporate aspect that's a very important. And then on the you're talking about, he's kind of a little bit on more underrealized eschatology. But, like, I still, for me, I think that's why I keep coming back to gathered worship as just that tiny little hopeful glimpse of mm-hmm. what's to come mm-hmm. I know, was, and the I importance was, of that.
1: I was reflecting on that today. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, we're, com- we're coming to the end and we're singing. And, you know, I think the message was great and it was, was honest. And just talking about sanctification and working out our faith and, Fear and Trembling, which is reverential fear or not, you know, I'm mm-hmm. um, scared saved. and then we we sung, and what was the second last song?
0: Yet Not I, But Through Christ in yet, Me.
1: Yeah, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me, and then the last song was... All
0: Glory Be to Christ. All Glory
1: Be to Christ, you know, if nothing of our efforts stand, no, um, mm-hmm. and... I I was reflecting on that. Like, it's kind of like it was just an honest, like, this is hard. We're not there yet. There's hope. God is good. Jesus is honest with us on the way. And I'm like, this is the full taste of glory. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we are genuinely. I was really struck by that. I'm like, we are genuinely um, pushing on together and joining with heaven as we await for that new creation like and i'm just kind of and we're doing this together and we're excited for it even in the midst of all and i was like that was true and then we i and then i went to evening Mm. worship today in a little chapel with 19 people and it was just it was glorious i loved it Mm. you know and i was preaching on thomas and had you know Blessed are those who believe but don't yet see, you know, and just how mm. I would trust the word that those that Thomas and the woman saw mm. through listen in Christ. And, you know, we, we confessed the faith together and the Apostles' Creed and we prayed the Lord's Prayer and then we sent out. And I was just like, I left really encouraged, you know, and then I. You know, I, I listened to someone share, the, in the, the car ride home, I listened to someone, like, share big, big struggles with me. Mm. And and the last, second and last person we talked to together was someone with huge struggles that mm. were very visible. Mm. And it was just kind of like, this is awesome. Mm. See you next week. You know? Mm. And, uh, yeah, that was great, you know? Um,
0: but, anyway, back to the book for a second what did it make you kind of re-examine how either how you process through things or how you deal with people did it change anything there
1: i i think it would have changed i think the reason i was willing to read the book was that i'd kind of already gone through a lot of what the book was teaching so i was willing to i was willing to listen to the book because i learned the lesson (laughs) fire had kind Mm. of I had kind of lessons, so I would say that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really, I think there's something to that. You know what I mean? I think, mm-hmm. um, I, if you, if, you, if you summarize the book as you need to be able to use your own wounds in service to ministry and others, mm-hmm. rather than use your wounds to wound others or mm. hide, you know?
0: Or fill that void and, 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 and I, yeah. I, I
1: I think that's a huge enormous problem I think mm. today I think I, I think it's it's shocking to me that it's very comfortable for people to share mental health battles
0: mm-hmm.
1: in New Zealand culture
0: mm-hmm.
1: everyone's okay you're allowed to be honest mm-hmm. but then you've still got the most popular church culture that you can have mm. it's kind of like... Uh, we'll just move on quickly from this, or, like, we've got to show that we've got it all together. Mm. Like, that's a, that's really weird. That's really, really odd um, to me. And I think that's a bit of a problem. So I think that overrealized eschatology is a huge, humongous problem, I think, in the church. And I get labeled a freak almost for kind of being on the other side of that. Um,
0: I think part of that, though, is because it's easy to just say my struggle is this Mm -hmm. and you can get someone to give you a hug or a pat on the back and Mm -hmm. you know, kind of some understanding there or compassion even. But when that struggle is visible in how the person lives and, and like gets Mm -hmm. really dark Mm -hmm. fast or displays in what we would look at as dysfunction or, You know, struggles that is like just apparent and messy and Mm -hmm. even like sinful battles, you know, that's where we want to just back away quickly Mm -hmm. and not deal with it. It's much easier to just pat that person on the back when they've admitted something with a label versus then walking that out Mm and what that label often means in action and...
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: All of
1: that. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of that culture then doesn't know how to deal with.
1: Totally. It was funny. I said I said to someone today, I want you to inconvenience me. Mm. This is the only way you're going to be able to move through your drama like your your problems and your pain and stuff like that is if you inconvenience a few people so i'm like i want you to inconvenience me by telling me when you're struggling okay so like and that's a huge problem um but i I do think on, on the ministry side of things like i think so a buddy of mine He's making all el- prospective elder candidates read this book and a few others. Mm-hmm. A book on narcissism by Chuck DeGrode, mm-hmm. Redeeming Power by Diane Langberg, which I've also read. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he- and he's making them read that. So instead of starting with, we're gonna read Michael Holt- Michael. Theology. Instead of reading Michael Horton <laughs> systematic theology, which I love. Um, we're going to we're going to read these books and these scriptures and we're going to reflect on them mm. so you understand you know
0: mm. i think that's really good it's a good way to start because honestly you have to you have to keep doing the heart work on yourself and you keep having to process hurt totally. all through ministry
1: mm-hmm. totally
0: so might as well start with it.
1: <laughs> exactly, and uh, I think, as I said, like if you can find a way to use your wounds and service to others, mm. and make it more compassion, make you a more compassionate person rather than a more angry person, because mm. I think that's what happens. Or you know, your people use ministry to fill identity voids mm. and all sorts of stuff like that. And I think that's a huge problem. And it's, it's not just pastors; it's just like people yeah. want a title, a role, a responsibility. Yeah. So they can feel like they mean something, mm-hmm. and that's a hum like it just doesn't work. Mm. And mm. yeah, you've just got to be able to process it and be. A- but I, I do think I mean, I, you read this kind of book and you're just like, man, I can't do that with 300 people. Like you just can't. Mm-hmm. And that's the other problem. Well, that's
0: yeah, a whole other problem. Mm. It's
1: an entire but it's just like you just can't, you know what I mean? And I think that's one of the reasons why I've struggled as our church has grown because I feel like I've kind of done a had done a reasonable job. Mm. But like, right. like
0: it's it's a lot harder to do It's a lot. Yeah.
1: It's way, way harder to do. Yeah. And and so like people are like, Oh, and you need to train other people and I'm like, Yes and no but I'm just like honestly a lot of these realizations take years to get. Mm. Um, and, and then they're often just at odds with what people think is good and Mm -hmm. people's expectations, you know what I mean? I'm just like, I could wear myself out on four people easily.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? I could wear myself out.
0: Yeah. So what do you think then about the idea of pastoral vulnerability because I just do it and
1: make people uncomfortable
0: (laughs) (laughs) but inevitably you open yourself up to more wounding
1: oh absolutely absolutely I mean it's just it's it's one of the worst
0: (sighs) it's hard because that can feel like a vicious cycle at times yeah And it's, I do, I fully agree. I think it's so important and I think we're both inclined to be that way, not just out of self-gratification, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. and us just trying to vent our own issues, but as a way of sharing in with other people and um, really trying to have, deep relationships with people in, in our church well, and stuff
1: deeply help you know right and, and be there for people and I think that's kind of the it has got to be one of the worst aspects I mean I I yeah. haven't got this worked out I don't have mm-hmm. much to, I just I think it's hard for me it's just like if I'm really honest like the people that I'm most there for and have been most there for over the last seven years or so I was like and, and, and I mean this. and I'm, I'm trying to think of positive examples and there's mm-hmm. not many of them. The people that have been most there for, the majority have ghosted or caused significant amounts of pain.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's just always a risk. Mm. And uh, your tendency is then to pull back mm. uh, and not do that with others. Mm. And... Like it sucks because that's what makes you effective mm. and it makes you effective too, you know. As, mm. as, you know, a me as a person, mm. and that's hard, you know. Mm. It's really, 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 really difficult, you know. So,
0: yeah, what do you think of, of pastoral vulnerability as a more general topic in the sense that a lot of people grow up with the pastor being. Like they know he's not perfect and stuff, but they're he's kind of untouchable, and he's mm-hmm. a step or two ahead of everyone else. Mm-hmm. and there's very much a disconnect. Mm-hmm. I even heard a comment today by a visitor, and it was it was more about aesthetics and how a pastor dressed, but it was like, oh well, a pastor's supposed to dress like you know two steps above the congregation. Kind of thing i 'm just like i didn 't say anything because this person was a visitor, but i you know in my head I was like but why- why mm-hmm. <laughs> you know why why is the that person supposed to try to set themselves up as mm-hmm. more or better or anything like that and I have found as an adult it to be so much more not only refreshing but a the seeing the theology lived out by an actual human mm-hmm. is very helpful totally. as opposed to someone who doesn't act like they're human totally. or have struggles.
1: It's just, it's just dumb, you know, mm. and I think that's one of the huge problems of leadership, mm. you know, and I think that's what this book is helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, sorry, we're watching Hillsong collapse, right? Mm. Just, I don't want to pick on Hillsong too much because I, like, I, I don't care. Like. Yeah. But Hillsong just collapsing right now. And it's obvious from the outside, there's a lot of those type of churches have set their leaders up as some Mm -hmm. kind of untouchable, Mm. you know, guru and whatnot. And it's just like, it's just not true, you know? Yeah. I'm set aside vocationally to for the church. Like, that's my job. Mm. And I want to encourage people into friendship with God through Christ. Like, that's my job. Mm. Like, that's it. Um, yeah. It's the only thing I feel like I'm actually good at, um, <laughs> you know, when, when it comes to that. Well, I'm not good at systems and structures. I'm not good right. at admin, despite the fact that I can, I, I can do all sorts of You can this do stuff. it, yeah. I know. Sorry, I was I just, thinking I'm about your... Good. It's like, that's the only thing that I feel like I'm actually able to do well. <laughs> And and like yeah. it's it's like it's almost like it's an unnecessary skill. And I think that's kind of <laughs> just odd, you know. <sighs> anyway, but I mean I, I do think like that's a problem, like when you start this guy on a pedestal. And then and then on the other hand, like you've just guys got guys where it's just like they're just like almost flaunting their like, just it doesn't happen a lot, but like, they almost just flaunting there, like, well, we're all you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, okay, right, I struggle with this, but you can give me grace, you know, right. Uh, I've seen a bit of that lately, mm. too, and I'm just kind of like, well, yeah, but um, you know, what are you doing about that, you know,
0: right? I think there is a standard that's set forth in the yeah, Bible, and, and like, you know, like, i to crucify my flesh, like, you know, accountability, I mean? yeah, for sure, you
1: know. Yeah. I got convicted of stuff today during the sermon. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I was like man, yeah, I'm not doing too do good at this. You know what I mean? My yeah. wife probably taught me 20 times, but I, I had to hear it from someone else. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, I'll thank like, Jamie said, later. Said, <laughs> being wounded, mm. let me end with this being wounded and hurt needs to be able to make you more compassionate and tender hearted. Mm. And even aghast at sinfulness, mm. but it's done in it service to others, rather than just making me angry mm. or bitter or twisted. Mm. And that's what's hard because you're dealing with a lot of people who've been hurt, and then they become mm. bitter and twisted, mm. and that's what's sad. You know, so I think that's the number one challenge I found. And it's a different way of saying it. It's not in the book, mm. but it's just like you need to have a thick skin. In a soft hat, mm-hmm. and I think for me, that's been the biggest challenge is mm-hmm. trying to then keep that soft hat. A lot of people just don't have a soft hat period, mm-hmm. but like I got, you know, I tried to thicken my skin up at times, mm-hmm. and I need to, but but then you've still got to somehow keep your hat soft. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I sure and that's like that. what a wounded healer is um, because then you're settled that way you're compassionate you're able you're wanting to help others rather than this kind of um, I'm using ministry to fulfill a void to fill a void in my life yeah. and I'm going to use people and I'm just going to react and I'm just going to get mad and I'm going to you know and then I I think a lot of people drop out of ministry just because it's difficult. I don't blame them for that. But then yeah. I think a lot of people drop out because they thought it would be great. Mm. And it's not. Mm. I mean, it's wonderful, but it's not yeah. great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So.
0: That's good. Well, I think one of the books that I'm going to review will be a really good follow-up to this. Kind of talking about... Like, dealing through... This is a lot of, like, I think what be an awareness but it's maybe not giving you all the tools to do all the hard work
1: sure you know totally it's just saying like this is what you need to do be able right. to do with this yeah
0: you know? and so i think one of the books that i'm reading will help with that a little bit
1: yeah i mean you you'd read like but here's the thing you could read it in two hours easily yeah. it doesn't matter if you're a great reader like you could read it in two to three hours no problem and that's mm-hmm. kind of cool it's a one sitting book for you <laughs> Alright, well, thanks for doing that. Cool.